there, everyone. My name is Ari, and welcome to Made of Metal, a motivational podcast where we tell stories about regular people overcoming insurmountable odds. So welcome back, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me here on episode 25. I have a little surprise announcement at the end of the episode in honor of the most wonderful time of the year. So please stay tuned. Also, in honor of November being Native American Heritage Month, I wanted to continue on the theme of my last episode where we talked about Sacagawea and share the story about another celebrated Native American figure. So the individual we'll be discussing today is undoubtedly one of the most celebrated and revered Native American leaders in history. A warrior who fought many battles in the name of freedom against invaders that threatened the lives of his people again and again. An individual who refused to assimilate with a society that didn't respect them in spite of the external pressures and hate they received on a daily basis. And a person who until the very end was a shining example of the importance of being proud of your culture, upholding tradition, and honoring your heritage, even in the face of mortal peril. Now, this is the first individual I can say I knew almost nothing about. So it was all an interesting discovery process for me, which I also love. The less I know about the person starting out, the more interested I am to learn about them. And historically, we know so little about Native American stories. I want to do my part to learn the history and share it with as many people as I can. So come along. Let's go together. (laughs) So this week, we'll be discussing the wild, the wise, the warrior, Sitting Bull. Sitting Bull was born around 1831 in South Dakota and was a member of the Sioux tribe. Sitting Bull was the son of a respected warrior, and of course, he idolized his father. In his youth, Sitting Bull wasn't particularly skilled or interested in fighting or war. He'd actually earned a reputation amongst his tribe as being lazy and slow, as he seemed to lack the basic understanding and skills of warfare. As Sitting Bull continued to grow up, opinions of him began to rapidly change, beginning when he was just 10 years old and killed his first buffalo. The buffalo were the lifeblood of the Native American tribes and greatly respected as their main food source. Just a few years after that, when he was around the age of 14, Sitting Bull would charge in his first war party. And yes, you heard right, just age 14. It was during this excursion where the honor and respect for Sitting Bull began to grow, as tales were told of his fiery spirit and courageousness in battle. Now, you guys know I love the unique names, so I wanted to be sure I highlighted this as well. Sitting Bull was also known by a Lakota name, which roughly translates to a literal Sitting Bull. Now, during this time period in the birth of the United States, The country was expanding its known territories into areas that historically belonged to Native American tribes. As Sitting Bull grew older, 
he was selected to be a leader amongst his tribe in a group called the Strong Heart Warrior Society, as well as another tribal group called Silent Eaters. Sitting Bull focused their efforts on strategizing ways to protect their native culture and people against any dangers while also expanding their own tribal lands. Amazingly, Sitting Bull would have his first run-in with invaders around June of 1863, where he rebuffed a U.S. Army attack. And this began a long history of Sitting Bull having to defend his people against American soldiers as they sought to take his people's land and livelihood. The Americans had already built notoriety around their violence and mistreatment of other tribes who failed to comply with their demands. Sitting Bull would fight against the American soldiers in several other battles from 1863 to 1867. Around 1867, Sitting Bull would receive one of the highest honors to ever be awarded to one of his people. Because of his unending bravery and dedication towards safeguarding his people, Sitting Bull was named Chief of the Sioux Nation. This was a well-deserved and incredible compliment to Sitting Bull, something that the young and slow Sitting Bull would have never imagined. And it takes guts to be a leader. It's not an easy position for anyone. But I in particular love how he became the chief in spite of, you know, all the negativity he was receiving when he was younger being called slow, which is like, I think any child (laughs) has a little bit more leeway, you know, to find themselves. It's just really cool to see that he came up and, you know, you can call me slow, but also call me chief. Around 1868, the tension continued to grow between the American soldiers and the Native American tribes, in spite of a peace treaty in place. As the gold rush began, the U.S. reneged on the treaty, pushing more explorers into tribal lands and declaring any Native Americans who still occupied these lands as enemies or hostiles. The Sioux tribe was ordered to move to a small piece of land that had been set aside as their reservation, which was hundreds of miles away from their homeland. Seeking inner clarity, Sitting Bull participated in an ancient ceremony where he called upon to receive divine guidance on how to protect the people. After the ceremony, Sitting Bull declared that the U.S. soldiers would be defeated and his people had nothing to fear. And Sitting Bull wasn't just able to inspire his own people to fight, but he was also able to connect with other tribes to work together and rally against the American forces. Another notable battle took place on June 1876, where Sitting Bull was able to bring together a combination of tribes to collaborate and defend against a group of soldiers in the Battle of the Rosebud. A week later, yes, just one week, Sitting Bull was able to completely decimate the American soldiers, led by the infamous Colonel Custer in the Battle of the Little Bighorn. And now this was a big deal because the Americans at this point had been kind of operating as this unbeatable force, and they were really, really embarrassed. They were spanked in this battle. This was considered a huge American war blunder and just embarrassment. And that led to an increased presence and focus on wiping out the Native American tribes. 
Sitting Bull and his people left the U.S. for Canada in May of 1877 in order to evade U.S. forces, but were only able to maintain their time on the run for so long. So you can just see less than a year later, they had to completely flee the country because they were being pursued, I'm sure, so relentlessly. Due to dwindling resources and member support, the Sioux were beginning to return to the U.S. and surrender as the Canadian government refused to provide them with any assistance. Four years later, in 1881, Sitting Bull and the remainder of his people returned to the U.S. to their original home territory, where he was promptly captured. Sitting Bull was held prisoner by the U.S. until he was found by, I mean, okay, I'm just going to say it, until he was found by Annie Oakley, the famous marksman or Mark's woman. A timeline cross that I love for a number of reasons, but definitely because she seemed to want to help him and offered him an alternative to his captivity. Annie Oakley offered Sitting Bull a job in Buffalo Bill Cody's Wild West show. And in light of the other option of remaining in custody, he took it. It was in this Wild West show that Sitting Bull would gain worldwide attention as he was touted as the token Native American performer. The Wild West show did give Sitting Bull the opportunity to travel and be more exposed to the American lifestyle. He was notably shocked with the poverty and the amount of racism he'd experienced as a Native American from the audience. Sitting Bull didn't last long in the Wild West show, ultimately deciding to return home to his people in South Dakota. Sitting Bull was consistently described as someone who was openly proud and passionate about his people and culture. He'd also never truly accepted the status quo that was so unfairly thrust upon him, which was his need for his uncontested obedience to the people who held him. Native American sentiments about the U.S. were the same throughout the tribes, as individuals were violently pushed out from their homes and squeezed on tiny reservations hundreds of miles away. As such, anti-American movements began to grow amongst the tribes. And one such movement, called the Ghost Dance Religious Movement, predicted a hero would emerge amongst the Native Americans to drive away the white invaders and restore peace and balance back to the Native American nations. Of course, Sitting Bull supported his people and joined the growing movement. Once this became known to the U.S. forces, Sitting Bull became a target. Because of his strong influence and following amongst the people, the police decided to arrest Sitting Bull to prevent the movement from gaining any additional traction. On December 5th, 1890, Sitting Bull was relaxing at his home in Grand River, just outside of the area where he'd grown up. While in his cabin, officers arrived and demanded Sitting Bull go with them. The officers then proceeded to drag Sitting Bull outside of his cabin, creating a scene that started a gunfight between officers and warriors of the Sioux tribe who were trying to defend their leader. Sadly, during the commotion, Sitting Bull was shot and killed. Sitting Bull was ultimately buried in Fort Yates in North Dakota, but his remains were moved to South Dakota, his homeland, where they now rest. 
Sitting Bull was a sacred chief, a fierce warrior, and a shining example of taking a stand for your culture. He lived a life that centered around defending his home and land against complete strangers who suddenly appeared and said, no, this is our land. And just to highlight, I wanted to again bring this to the audience's attention. Sitting Bull was engaged in his first war party by the age of 14. So that is how imminent and in his life, war and fighting and defending his home were. It's tragic and heartbreaking that he was constantly embroiled in battle or gearing up for a war at that age. You know, I can't imagine what kind of stress and pressure that must have been to live under. But I also love this story for Sitting Bull's complete respect for his people and their legacy. Where others had surrendered, Sitting Bull did not. He stood steadfast against the invaders and displayed all the characteristics of a strong and courageous leader until the very end. And of course, you guys know I had to bring back the incredible quotes. And this quote from him is amazing. It really, really encapsulates his personality because he had a lot of great quotes. He was an excellent leader and that requires an ability to connect and communicate. So I really love this quote though. This is one of my favorites. (laughs) For us, warriors are not what you think of as warriors. The warrior is not someone who fights because no one has the right to take another life. The warrior for us is one who sacrifices himself for the good of others. His task is to take care of the elderly, the defenseless, those who cannot provide for themselves, and above all, the children, the future of humanity. So that is just an incredibly eloquent quote but also really shows a deep sense of self-awareness and philanthropy. Obviously, Sitting Bull took his role as a warrior seriously, but not just in a way of, as he says, as a fighter or as somebody who's literally warring with somebody. It's a deeper mission than that. To him and to his people, it really means defending those who cannot provide for themselves, the defenseless which is an extremely noble cause. So, you know, that gave me chills. I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite quotes now. As somebody who knew absolutely nothing about him, it really resonated with me to hear somebody also equate the warrior with helping. I think that is a very underutilized comparison. And now... (laughs) For the big announcement, you guys. So I told you guys I would finally be doing this and I wanted to really do something special for you in honor of my 25th episode. So cue the French horn. (laughs) I'm doing an AirPods giveaway for the holiday season. So every single person that enters the giveaway will receive a gift from me. But one lucky winner will receive a pair of brand new AirPods just in time for the holidays. You can keep it for yourself, little gift, a little early Santa gift, or you can give it to somebody else. 
I'm super excited to share the love with you guys and really hope this helps to get you in the holiday spirit. So you can sign up on my website on madeofmetalpodcast.com. That's madeofmetal, M-E-T-T-L-E, podcast.com. And I'll also be posting a link on my Instagram and Facebook for everyone to enter. So yeah, very exciting. And as usual, if you love the show, please do rate or leave a review. Send an episode to a friend who needs a pick-me-up. My shenanigans are sure to make anyone smile or shake their head. At the very least, you do get something. So So please check us out at madeofmetalpodcast.com. You can follow us at Made of Metal Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. As always, thank you so much for joining me. It is without a doubt one of the most satisfying things that I can connect with you guys here every week. I have literal people telling me how much they enjoy the podcast. IRL, in real life, you guys. What? (laughs) And that type of feedback, I mean, it's super motivating. So I'm going to keep on chugging. (laughs) As always, my loves. Thank you so much. I truly appreciate your time and bloom where you are planted. Mm-hmm.